0: How was my week this week? My week was, um, yeah, My how was my week this week? I'm, it just went so fast. There was
1: yeah, it did. lots
0: going on. I found myself deep in prayer over a number of things through this week. And um, yeah, just trying to uh, do my best to commit all of my thoughts and my thinking and my life to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> more so, I don't know, than other weeks. Do you think? Uh, think we're on yet?
1: Oh, it's not saying we
0: are. It's but not we saying are. we are, but it oh, yes, we are. are. There here we are. are. Yeah, how about that?
1: Whoa! Good afternoon,
0: everybody. Oh, now it's talking to us. See, yeah. oh. we can't leave that on because there's an actual delay between our talking and then what displays here. So it gets a little awkward. Hey. But <laughs> well, welcome. Hey, welcome to our virtual <laughs> gathering of the Camloops Vineyard. Uh, yeah, and we're still here.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking, Erco. I was thinking today going, really looking forward to no more living
0: room preaching. No, no more living room preaching. Well, I don't know. We've always kind of talked about the glory and the fun that we might have in, in, you know, doing church out of our homes. Like, it we'll happens. See,
1: one day at a time.
0: Lots of the church meets out of their homes around the world. Um, yeah, it would be nice if we could just do that. Hey. But here we are, we're in our home and you're in your, your home. Courtney, see you on there. Michael, good to see you. Michael, it's good to see you. I don't know, have we seen you on online for a bit, Mike? I know that you had a few connectivity challenges, but uh, man, it's good to see you up there. Barb, yeah, good afternoon. Obviously, you guys hear us okay. We almost, <laughs> we almost blew ourselves out with all the volume coming off of here. And listen, uh, through the season, we're doubling down, right? Here we go. I'm saying that again, doubling down our efforts, focusing on the important work of Christ uh, and loving others, Um, you know, about embracing him and loving others out of that, out of that felt love and experience that we have with him. I think last week we talked about the transforming work, right? We did. Of uh, Christ's nature in us. That was a message that you brought to us out of uh, 2 Peter. You tried. <laughs> I thought you did a great job. Didn't you do a great job? Um, but God is inviting us to love and to trust Him deeply, and He's inviting us to be like intimately invested and committed to loving Him and loving one another. Um, in the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians, in verse 6, Paul writes, the only thing that counts is...
1: Faith expressing itself through love.
0: And there you go. And so that's, that's been kind of, that's, that's, that's been our theme for everything that we're mm. grabbing a hold of. So no matter where we're going, we're, like trying to, we're trying to visit our thoughts. We're trying to turn them towards this thing that Paul is encouraging us. It is encouraging the church to walk in.
1: And you, you realize, just even as I sit here, I think of so many things in the world that might come against how we feel or circumstances or whatever. But without love, you, it's really hard to walk through any of it.
0: Well, you know, yeah. I mean, that's like Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church. I mean, they've got they got a, they got a lot of issues going on in the church. They've got um, a lot of good things to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a church that's been absolutely impacted by the Holy Spirit. And yet, there is still some of the, the the old baggage from their culture and their days and their practices that are coming into the church. And and you know, he's like, going, yeah, yeah, you're a really amazing, gifted church boy. It's it's amazing to see the grace that God's poured out in this place." But you know, you know, but but how I see these things, you know, the, there's these three things: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these things is love. And so, uh um, you know it's we don't discard the other things but it's like hold on to love you know mm-hmm. use that as yeah. your you know sort of your measuring stick in terms of how we're doing um today we're going to look at the sanctifying work of the spirit uh that is molding us into the and I think I've said this before into the best image of Christ living through our unique person you know we're not cookie cutter stampers no. right like not you. You and I certainly are not <laughs> caught with the same cutter. <laughs> or
1: they're complementary. I, I, I have to admit, as as Dave is, um, he prepares all this, and I interject the the odd thing. But he, <laughs> I, I was doing a lot of stuff this morning and oh
0: man, oh man, business,
1: work, church stuff, and whatever. She but was
0: she was being Martha. <laughs>
1: I was no, in good morning no, no. and I chose not to get dressed or shower till one o'clock. <laughs> yeah. But boy, well,
0: I was the worried peace she was coming my on. My husband was not. Yeah. She was looking like she was coming on with a bathrobe today, guys. I'm telling you. I wanted to. She wanted to, just to like. <laughs> yeah, really nail that one down. Oh, which, yeah, I mean, heck, you could have. Uh, we'd have just gone to an audio clip. <laughs> 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 but today we're looking at the transforming of, of work of God that takes place in those unseen times and seasons of our lives. Are you are you feeling like I got there's my a
1: glasses to read? Oh
0: well, that's so you can see better but I, you know I, am I talking to people who feel like they're just not seen and you know living in a just like kind of in a hidden time of life like it, it feels like that way, doesn't
1: it? sometimes sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, even when you're
0: you know even when you're bumping into people in in the in the outdoors it's it's you know it's actually quite an extraordinary event so so through this week i i, I had an invitation to to go hang out with with one of my pastoral friends here in town and and we went pushing up into the snow and in in a location that I had never been before and um, it was fun it was fun but every time we met people along the path there was these great conversations that would take place it was like people were just so excited to see other people
1: (laughs) and then here's me excited to get you out of the house yes you were and Andrew was out working so I had the house to Uh, myself and I loved it it was just so peaceful
0: yeah that's good so get ready you're going to do some reading here (laughs) keep us on task you guys uh yeah we're getting off the path but yeah we're we're in a time where where it feels unseen and you know it's just it's in a a crazy season in our life that really none of us can point back to and say that we've been through something like this before yeah. for those of you who are receiving and actually reading our communication uh from the Kamloops Vineyard through our weekly newsletters hey if you're if uh, if this is the first time this is news to you that that we're actually sending out weekly communications and you're not receiving that, email the office, ask us, mm-hmm. come online, chirp, and say, hey, I'd like to be receiving those things. But uh, through the week we presented you with some preparatory reading for today's session from our series that is called, In Solitude He Forms Us, and that's uh,
1: funny because I never read the
0: the notes. I didn't. Read <laughs> well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> of course you didn't. You were just too busy. Good job.
1: Get people to pre-read that stuff.
0: <laughs> well, maybe they did. Did any of you guys pre-read it? There you go. Oh, Courtney's got some. She's got some notes popping up there. First Peter four eight. What does that say, Courtney? You got that pumped up there. Maybe you should write that out for us. Um. Anyways. I'm, see, now I'm distracted by the things they are reading. Where are you reading? You take, take okay. the mic away here.
1: I'm going to read, with my glasses on, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. This is the New Living Translation. Okay.
0: <laughs> good boy. Yeah, good boy.
1: The temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scripture says... He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even get hurt. Your foot on a, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Good job. <laughs> Jesus responded. The scripture also says you must not test the Lord your God. The next, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give you. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel and bow down and worship me. Ouch. That's not scripture, that's my own.
0: Ouch. Yeah, that's the Debbie's version, (laughs) Debbie's message version.
1: Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I
0: love that. I love that. Yeah, you were almost pretty good there. You were, you almost showed a little disdain there. Get out of here, Satan! Like,
1: <laughs> oh, I've had practice.
0: I think we've had it. enough of this. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so three times, yeah, three times in our story, um, he's he's being propositioned, isn't he, by mm-hmm. the, the devil? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, sort of extracting the deeper narrative of this story. Of Jesus' temptation in the desert this the theologian and author henry nolan and i've uh we've referred to him from time to time mm-hmm. and he's been he's a part got of our some reading many books out there for sure yeah he's gone on to be with the lord i don't know yes, if you he know, does. That. Yeah? I know that yeah you you know that okay, I know that. <laughs> but he surmises that solitude uh is the furnace of transformation, like that there is uh, that there is something that happens to us in these places of solitude where we're we are being transformed, mm-hmm. and he suggests that without exercising solitude, in other words, not embracing that in our life, not embracing uh, even our understanding of it. You know, when solitude comes for people, um, you know, sometimes our first reaction is to fill it with things, right? Mm-hmm. Because we just you know we don't we don't like that. You know, like sometimes quietness we we wanna get out of our head and be somewhere else or be with somewhere. Else, be thinking about something else. Well,
1: quietness can be foreign to yourself too.
0: Yeah, quietness can be foreign, depending in the you know the household that you've grown up. If you grew up as an only child, then yeah, <laughs> it's probably been your sanctuary, right? Yeah. Uh, if you grew up in a really busy household, you're you know you're used to that. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about, but there's there's something that happens in the place of solitude where we remain. Um, without exercising, where we can actually become a, a, a victim of the of the messages that are coming from the world. Mm-hmm. Like the world is is trying to sell you something all the time. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you can't even go on your you know your laptop or your smart device these days without people trying to message you and sell you something. Oh, it's right? terrible. Uh Courtney says she shared 1 Peter 4 8 on her Facebook this morning. There she you did.
1: Go. Oh, good. Don't ask me to remember what it said, but I read it.
0: <laughs> she read it. There you go. I haven't been on Facebook this morning. I got a minute. Um, Henry Nguyen also says that without silence, we can find ourselves like entirely consumed and wrapped up uh, by, with a skewed understanding of who our true person is. You know, we can be trying to live out of a false self, like creating a narrative for. Our lives and a presentation of our lives—it just isn't true, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so the Apostle Paul writes. He says that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness. Do you hear the the sort of the the shift of the language there? And it it actually does shift. Uh, In the Greek of that, um, Mark puts it a little bit differently. But Matthew writes that the Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness. And any way you read it, Jesus is compelled by obedience to the Holy Spirit to lead him into the furnace of solitude, into the furnace of the wilderness where he was tempted with three obsessions of the world. And uh, in his book, *The Way to the Heart*, Henry Noone, as you said, we've probably got that tucked into our library yeah, somewhere it's there downstairs. downstairs we on the got bookshelf. Yeah, we do collect books. <laughs> uh, Henry Noone identifies these three compulsions by name. First, he says that uh, there is this temptation to be relevant. Right? Do you, do you have you heard of that word, relevant? You know. Yes do you get that yeah you were saying that I was being a little bit wordy here and kind of you know whatever
1: said <laughs> like you were being quite eloquent. Eloquent in your words. <laughs> My language,
0: it's, yeah. Well, there's the, temptation to be relevant. That would be like one of the first obsessions. It's this, and and I would put it this way: to fixate our appetites on what is rightfully ours, and to reach out and seize for it in our own strength. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be that kind of thing, or those things that we think ought to be ours. Turn these stones into bread. Like we're trying to feed that appetite. Secondly, there's this compulsion to be spectacular. You know, and, the, and there's, there's Satan inviting Jesus, taking him up to the high pinnacle of the temple and saying, throw yourself off. Right? And the angels will. The Lord gives his his angels charge over you. They'll 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 they'll, they'll, they'll get you. Yeah, they'll get they'll you. Yeah. They'll throw yourselves down. And finally, there is this irresistible urge to be powerful. And this is an urge that drives our world. Mm-hmm. That, that that need to be powerful. And what does he say? I'll give you all of the kingdoms of this world and their glory. So the the world actually has a certain glory to it a certain whatever about it I, you know I I think you know when I used to work in the marketing world I told you that some of my some of my my trips with with the last company that I worked with took me you know took me out of Canada and and working with some you know some big box kind of fortune 500 type companies and In going to these events, uh, you know, and some of these gatherings in places like Chicago and other places, um, I'm going to say, like, there is a a certain, do I use the word seduction? But it does feel that there's a certain lure um, of power that you can actually, that's tangible that you can feel in the air when you're around uh, companies of notoriety and Mm. the competitiveness and what's going on. Maybe we... Yeah, maybe I haven't talked lots about that but it, it does feel intoxicating you know huh. it's yeah it's very interesting to be around Matthew writes that the spirit led Jesus out into the dare into the wilderness where and and Henry no one puts it says where he experienced those three temptations to be relevant to be spectacular and to be powerful um, now of course Jesus actually is already all of those yeah, he things yes sure which is but it's not in the way that the world would dictate it right it's actually it's better but it it looks different and um yeah I mean Satan's always trying to sell us a lie and and we're just we're gonna break some of that down there but but you know here's so here's some questions I ask is 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 there not any one of us that can uh honestly say that they have never felt some sort of desire at some time to control the narrative of our own lives.
1: <laughs> have, have, we, have you and tried? that's where I giggled this morning when Dave was trying to control the narrative of my morning life. Oh, you're
0: going to use the word control, are you? Yeah? Okay. You tried. I tried.
1: <laughs> it's true. No, I just had a thought. I'll probably take you way off.
0: Oh yeah, go for it.
1: But I'm thinking of, you know, Satan coming and trying to tempt Jesus mm. And of course, Jesus is God. He's, he's not going to win. <clears throat> but there was also Satan himself who fell. So yeah. maybe there's a place in Satan thinking, well, maybe if I can get Jesus, if I can do that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, basically, is he was one of like one of the, an archangel, yeah, like mm-hmm. a very very powerful angel. Amazingly beautiful. There would be scripture verses that say he was adorned with all kinds of beauty and and riches. Like there were things that he, you know, something in in his description that just had all of this kind of narrative going through him. He was he was a worship leader. It's <laughs> so, so there's a sense, uh, and in some you know some writers of mystery would suggest that that you know worship itself actually. You know moved through him to the throne of god and and that somehow he got caught up and allured to wanting that all for himself that would be you know that would that would hang right up there with your word about lust about mm-hmm. real lust is this the definition of lust being this desire to have covet something that is not have. yours to have something that's yeah. not yours um yeah. You know ultimate power
1: um which goes to show what does it go to show satan's pretty stupid if you thought oh he dear <laughs> no it, it comes off as smart but you know if we're
0: a third of the angels I the know. host went with them babes like you know like there was there was something yeah let's not get off the track here <laughs> But isn't you know? Haven't we ever felt at some time that we want to control the narrative of our own lives, or or maybe the lives of others around us? Like I tried to do with you this morning, that didn't work. You know, (laughs) I mean that's pretty minor. But actually, this can get pretty deep, right? Yeah. Who hasn't turned to other devices, or even vices, or or people uh, to control how they feel about their situation, right? Or to check right out. who hasn't felt compelled to misrepresent actually our own story to make ourselves uh, meet the approval of others around us, where we kind of just change the narrative a little, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, In his letter to the Hebrews, the Christian author tells us that Jesus was tempted with all the same testing as we do, but he did not turn to sin. And, and he's trying to comfort us. He's saying, look, in Christ, we have a high priest. We have this heavenly priest. We have a mediator who understands our weaknesses. Um, so when we run into sin, when we uh, turn to fill our own insatiable needs with only what God himself can do, um, God calls on us to surrender our lives and to submit all of our dependencies to him. You know, this is what we find. The crazy part of today's story is that Jesus finds himself compelled, right? Led out (laughs) into the desert by the Holy Spirit to face the author of our temptations. Isn't that, you know, it's like, really? Really? Like, maybe just not going to, you know, maybe not go to that neck of the woods because there's, you know, there's some things going on down there that we don't want to have anything to do with. No, he takes them right into the the face of these temptations. And you know what's crazy about this is it comes immediately on the hills uh, after he's been identified among the as standing among the crowds, right? By John the Baptizer as the one who was to come. Like he said, I'm preparing the way for the one who has to come and standing amongst us is that one. Mm -hmm. Jesus came forward to be baptized by John in the baptismal waters and uh, Mark 1 verses 10 to 11 reads as this. Do you want to read that?
1: Sure. He says, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice out of heaven proclaimed, this is my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy.
0: Imagine that having been proclaimed over you. And that's what the writer, that's what we want you to be imagining over yourself, Hmm. you know. This is my dearly loved son or daughter, and you bring me such great joy. I delight in you, basically, is what the scripture says. I delight in him. And immediately on the heels of that, of the, of the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, the Holy Spirit says, okay, we've got somewhere else to be. <laughs> and immediately he leads him out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Now, should we be surprised that after such a great unveiling, like, really, you know, I think the scripture verse says elsewhere is that Jesus uh, largely grew up amongst everyone. Emmanuel, God in the in his son Jesus, the, grew up amongst people, and, and we had no regard of him. We didn't, you know, there was a bit of fanfare when he got, you know, when the angels came down and said, hey, you got to go check you got to yeah. go check this out, you know, look for a virgin giving birth to to the son who's going to become, who is your king, who is your savior, your long prophesied savior. He's come, the Messiah, the promised one. But beyond all of that, not a lot of fanfare around Jesus. Mm-mm. It just kind of cruises unseen. And suddenly he's been seen and there's been this unveiling. And while people are still, I imagine, trying to figure out what's happened, right? And who is this Jesus? He disappears. But should we be surprised that after this great unveiling, when, when immediately after his sense of God's calling and love have been dramatically confirmed, that's pretty dramatic, a voice, you know, a heavens opening up, a voice shouting down,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is my son. There has
1: been people who have heard his audible voice. Yeah. And... Uh,
0: yeah, it can be pretty dramatic. It
1: can be dramatic.
0: It can be dramatic, you know. You and I talk a bit about that. That's a whole other story. But, but right on the heels of that, is it, is it surprising that Jesus now doesn't have to personally face those other whispering voices that were wanting to distort his true calling and his true nature, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what we have. Jesus came to be truly human. Right, he came to align himself in the love and the work of his Father, and he came as a servant. He did. So, so many times in the gospel accounts of Jesus, you tell, you see Jesus trying to tell people, yeah, you know, be quiet about the things that you're hearing or that have been done for you. Like he's not wanting to build a movement around him.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: Not, and not in very many circumstances does he ask. There's been a
1: couple times where he said, now go tell. Yes. So-and-so. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. And you, uh, yeah. And, and
1: but mostly it's just like, now go.
0: That's right. But there's always been a purpose to that. Um, yeah. But he came to truly live out his humanity and to align himself to his father and to come as a servant. So, so not surprising, the first two temptations play on the very strength of of Jesus' identity that has been spoken to him. Remember? You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Mm-hmm. And so the demonic whispers in doubt. He starts He starts with doubt. If you really are God's son. So, can you see that? He's just like, kind of... It's kind of like, you know, it's the same guy, right? In the garden, did God really say? I
1: know, it's- <laughs> when I read this I think of that
0: yeah it's just it, it's got the same cadence to it it's it's the same author If he's that good, he can't be wanting you to go hungry, Jesus, when you have power to turn the tables on your situation. Take what is rightfully yours. Don't you want people to see you for who you really are? Why not throw yourselves down from the temple and, and let his angels catch you up in free fall before your foot even touches the ground? Is that some of the stuff that you were thinking that I was saying that would sounded a little no. bit eloquent? But it does feel that way. It's a narrative. It's a story. And he, he's just, and it's sort of this like it's it's this challenge. Jesus, do something, do something really spectacular so that people can see you. And when all of these things don't work, then the enemy of our souls and Jesus' soul boldly plays his entire hand, right? He just can't help himself. Oh, forget your heavenly father, just worship me and I will give you power to rule all of the kingdoms of this world and their glory. He's wanting to give them something that has already been usurped by him from the beginning of creation, right? And, and Jesus, however, he sees a trap, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: three three times tempted, three times Jesus shuts down the compulsions of this world, and he he does that by revealing the will of his Father that he's found in god's words it's 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 in my father and and here's where you find it. He deals with our twisted need to answer for our appetite to to find immediate satisfaction right is that we're addicted to pleasure. We're addicted to happiness. We're addicted to certain things, right? Our insatiable desire. Insatiable means it's it just can't be filled, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like never enough. This insatiable desire to be seen and to be spectacular. There is a, it, there's, a there's a drug that comes with that. There's serotonin that's released. Adrenaline. Yes, adrenaline. Serotonins that are, that, capitalize in our brains there are there are places in us that want to be to be validated like that and then finally there's there's an answer there's there's this anxiety that drives us it's a compulsion to be in power to control as i said our narrative our story to control all our circumstances and the outcomes like we kind of want to have it everything under taps, you know, we we want to know, we want to know all the answers, and we want to control the narrative. Solitude is the best place of our great struggle. It's 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 both the place of our our struggle with a place where we get honest about the things that are going on inside of us, and and the and the opportunity for great encounter. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you do when you feel anxiety's coming up and and things going on for you i think last week you said you did puzzles
1: (laughs) (laughs) well as a lot of times you'll get the reaction yeah you know even last week i was shopping getting some stuff for my daughter and she's on facetime and and with the frustration of the mask in front of us and not being able to Hear each other, I rose my voice to a few other eyes, again looking at me, just like the bank experience. Oh no. And then, but I, you know, after I got out of the, because it was just busy, too much stimulization and stuff in there. Yeah. So after I left there, I just took a big breath. I just had to go, oh, just invite God to come meet me at this place. And then, when I got home, I gave my daughter a call and said, Hey, I'm sorry. And then she says, I was just downing you to say, Hey, I'm sorry for her. <laughs> but in, in that, for me, I just I just have to just be quiet, yep. invite God in. And it's not like I physically take a step back, but sure. I, with God, take a step back yeah. uh, into that place of anxiety and say, ah. Oh.
0: Yeah, Sol- solitude... Um like this is extended solitude. We're forty days and forty nights here. I know. Right? Uh it's the place where we wrestle through our brokenness. Right? It's kinda of when you just and and we wrestle through it. That because you know, that's ultimately not how God sees us. That's not who He's created us to be. But there are there are forces in play all the time that are are driving us
1: so we're looking out of our lenses yeah. at our life and our sure. yeah. instead of through. looking through Christ
0: yeah, absolutely yeah. Um, and you know you, you see where they we get to at the end of the story here in, in verse 11 like ultimately Jesus points to, to the Lord alone who we worship right
1: mm-hmm.
0: God who we alone worship, God who we alone serve. And God, who we alone trust with our lives, he is the God who defines us. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, all of the biblical texts that Jesus used, and I, and I find this really interesting, all of the texts that Jesus used, like um, he used as weapons for his defense, all of them were taken out of the story of Israel when it was in the time of the wilderness. (laughs) Interesting. Forty days and forty nights, Jesus fasted and prayed in his own wilderness. Forty years, Israel sojourned in the desert, and where Israel failed again and again, Jesus has triumphed over temptation. He's He's not... He's not given into it. Your your identity as God's child is your greatest ally. It is your greatest weapon. As God's children, you know, and I bring this up out of last week. We can call upon His divine nature that now lives in us. We can call on that. We can call on God. Uh, as God's children, we can exercise the same defense that Jesus did, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he he. We can store up God's word in our heart, and you know, he's probably a man of thirty years of age at this point in time when he's actually finally called into ministry. You know, you've been quiet all of that time. Um, you know, I'm sure being a provider for his household and at. Through through much of that, um, and here he is. Um, uh, and as a as a as a as a Jew trained up in the things of God, he would have learned Torah. He would have learned the Word of God. It just would have been his day to day life experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we we can store up God's Word in our heart, and it, it's why we. We day over day and why we week over week, we lean into the scriptures that God gives us and we meditate on them and, and invite, invite the things we're learning to inform and teach us and, and even transform us in mm-hmm. a way, transform our thinking. Because in knowing them, we are storing up the truth. And I say big letters, truth. We're storing up the truth about who we are, and we're storing up the truth about the power of God that transforms and renews us. Yeah. Um, in these in these words, and with the company of God's Holy Spirit, we find a revelation of God as Father. In these words that we read, we find a revelation of Jesus as his son. You know, after Jesus had come, he was always pointing back into the scriptures that pointed out who he was all through the narrative, all the mm-hmm. time. Yep. And even after Jesus had ascended into heaven, this is this is where the apostles and the disciples went. They went to proof text again, their Old Testament scriptures. It proved out who he said he was and how he was to come. They just didn't see it at the time. He had changed so much of how they see themselves and how God had seen them. It affected even how they read God's word. All of these things, this revelation of Jesus, these are things that set us free. Um, see, Jesus is the spirit of revelation, right? Right? Mm-hmm. It says that, right? It does
1: say it. Yeah. The Word
0: of God says that Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. It's actually the same thing. Jesus is a spirit of revelation, um, and he, and it's that revelation of Jesus that sets us free, because it's all about us. Why did God send His Son?
1: You know, as we're just because I'm doing the Elijah House, yeah, okay, training, and um, and for some of us, I was there at some point, but we just we get. Um, it's hard to receive that, even to receive who Jesus is, who we are in Him, and stuff like that. Yep. But that just takes time to hang in there, um, get some prayer, but just, you know, it's important to know our identity in Him, who we are in Christ, who are we, who has God created.
0: I mean, he's always building on that narrative yeah. too, isn't he? Like we're, we're discovering more about that.
1: And So if you hear a negative voice being whispered who you are, Unless really you are walking in a real bad sin. <laughs> but it's not God Himself. He he would speak good stuff and call out the good of who you are. You are precious, you are loved, you are
0: Sure. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes we're reaping things that yep. because of our decisions and choices that we make very often. But I always say like God's so kind that we don't actually reap everything we probably Thank deserve.
1: Goodness. Sometimes our <laughs> generations do.
0: Yeah, sometimes our generations do. So, so much of what we do and how we live it our lives affects the people around us and affects the generations to come. And, yeah. Yeah. and we're affected by decisions that have been made, made before us. But there's Jesus, and that's there where we're Jesus. always yeah. applying. just the yeah. love of God and the forgiveness of God. You know, there's blood that takes away all our sins. His power, His resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead—now abides in you and I. He's, he's, there's this resurrection and transformation that's always going on in us. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Um, Jesus is our defense. If you, if you really want to nail it right down, I, I, you know, I couldn't help but write that. Knowing God and knowing who we are in Him, this is your defense. Knowing. Uh, who lives inside of you and trusting in his mighty power that heals and delivers you, this is your defense. This is my defense, right? God loves us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Um, listen, uh, novel, or novel coronavirus 19, whatever, however we're going to pronounce that. COVID-19. Right? <laughs> yeah, COVID. I mean, it is thrust all of us into an uncomfortable solitude of some description. And and this is what's been ringing so true to me as I consider this message today. Um, At no time, at no time in our known history, think about this, have we seen churches from around the globe experience voluntary and imposed restrictions from gathering as we have seen now, today. Um. This really has me deeply considering like what lies ahead for all of us but
1: that's I mean years ago they had to shut it down too when um whatever spanish that, flu the spanish flu yeah
0: but 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 that was only in certain areas of the world okay. we are experiencing global, global yeah. pandemic of yeah. a nature that that we have never seen before um Yeah, and and, you know, we actually kind of know how these things sort of work now. We have science that is much more advanced. And so (laughs) maybe with more knowledge, we're actually more fearful because Spanish flu, man, that was not something you want to get. That's actually something we could talk about, but that'll be another day. But you know, I, I, I have thought about this. This isn't just affecting you and I, this is affecting all of us. And we're entering into this type of suffering with the world. I see something. You you may, yeah. You may choose to argue with me, but I see something very Christ-like in that. God is inviting us to to walk this out with the world, to suffer with the world. In a lot of ways, um, you know, it it hasn't gone away yet. And you know, and it feels like we're in the heat of the battle now, where vaccines are actually going to are promising some relief, but those supply chains are getting tested right now, and it's yeah, people are getting a bit frustrated but but no time have we experienced this as the church had to exercise um, restraint like this. No time have we sort of entered into some kind of a weird solitude of some description. And well, when the coronavirus wanes and, and when we all return uh, from this internment of solitude, I've called it this desolation, I can only guess that so much of how this pans out, how we've used this time depends on our willingness to, to concede that our worth and that our identity entirely rests in God. I mean, how does it change everything? And and who does he say that I am? Luke's gospel records that when Jesus returned from the wilderness, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. <laughs> like, yeah, like the news of that. Um there is a corporate nature to this message that we're bringing today, but I'm setting that aside to weigh out the levity of things that we're really being asked to consider here. Um, so sort of my question, and I don't know if you've thought about that, babes, but so the question comes back to something that Peace Scissero invites us to consider from one of his earlier publications at one of his earlier daily offices that he presented. Um, and I think for the Willow Creek Church, he actually put a whole book together so, yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. He's, he he asked the question: What temptations or trials uh, do you your, find yourself in today? So he's asking us: What what are you finding yourself wrestling with today that God might be using as a furnace to help develop your inner person? You know, your inner person, your who you. Who God sees you to be that is just aching to come out.
1: So who is that for you? What is that for you? <laughs> I thought I'd ask first, so you yeah. don't ask me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was looking at you just for fun. Um <laughs> my inner temptations. Yeah, that's um. I think part of it, you know, I think part of it would be, you know, I said this earlier on in in one of our, one of two meetings that we were eventually allowed to have um, back at Gateway Church when we first moved into that facility. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like God was inviting me out in the sense that he was asking me, are you willing to embrace obscurity? And, you know, there were a few groans in the audience when, in our fellowship when they heard me share that. But that still weighs on me. Like, Hmm. so many things I can't control. So many narratives I can't control. Um, You know, like, just how do we do this well? and And how do we, you know, how do we ensure that as the body of Christ that we're flourishing through these times? I mean, I've probably, like, no time in our you know ten year pastor here have I prayed as much as I have for the church, just in terms of where we're you know how we're doing like how we're and and maybe that's you know maybe that's the most important work I've thought about that we can do is to pray for one another and to pray for the for church sure. you know i think of the I think of the Pauline letters or any of the letters that were written from prison i mean he there were a lot of Things in Paul's life that were taken out of his control—that he, that narratives he couldn't possibly control in the church—and much of his time is spent praying for the church. John, who wrote, uh, you know, the Revelation of Jesus, right? He's he's in prison, <laughs> and he's yeah. and he's getting a revelation for the church. He's interceding. He's praying for the church, and God is blessing him with revelation for the church. With
1: well, and I find well for myself the last few days when. Opportunities to pray—I've seen immediate answers. Sure. One being, you know, not anybody local, but part of a group I'm part of. Just seeing. Yep. You know, somebody set free from something that has been there for forty some years, and um, and then just the other day praying and seeing, like within seconds, immediate answers to prayer. And yep. so, I think if we think our prayers aren't. Powerful, or they don't make a difference, you know. As long as we're praying in the will of God, which, you know, we we pause to hear what He has to say sure. as we pray. Sure, sure.
0: And so, yeah. you know, actually, in that, you know, on that note, um, like I, I would say that there's been a a considerable amount of prayer that uh, opportunities for prayer that I'm experiencing that you're experiencing. Um, you know, we've begun meeting Wednesday evenings as an example for community yeah, it's prayer. Yeah, really good. Um, you know, I've been working with, with uh, some guys called the Band of Brothers, it's, and, and it's a group of guys that um, are convening on Tuesday mornings to pray. I've kind of put out, pushed out an invitation for other guys to consider meeting through starting another company through the evening where we could meet in prayer. But we're, we're encountering God in our, in our sharing. Like we're sharing our lives with one another, you know, some of our struggles, some of our successes, and we're praying for one another, but then we're praying into circumstances. And I mean, the revelation that is coming while we're praying has been brilliant. And the answers to prayer, there's like, we're getting answers to prayer. Like it's just amazing. Yeah. So, you know, the opportunities are there. This, you know, the fact that we have this device to actually connect with you, um, through Facebook and through YouTube and, uh, and through Zoom, these kinds of things. I mean, and, uh, really, telephone. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's telephones. Yeah. It's like, amazing. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, with, with, yeah. without exploring that too much, there, there are a lot of things going on in my heart, right. That I'm having to learn to trust God in. And I think that that's the big deal. Like including trusting
1: your wife, getting dressed in time,
0: including my wife, getting dressed in time. That seems like a small thing. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> in the moment,
0: <laughs> it felt a little bigger. Um, so yeah, what temptations or trials do you find yourself in today that God might be using as a furnace to help develop your inner person? Um, and those just present as opportunities for us to surrender yep. our trust in God. I mean, yep. that's essentially what Jesus the was doing. Number
1: one step is just saying, "Yeah, show me God."
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just show me, God, what what that might look like. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think here now. I've got. So I'd actually had a couple of uh, things in prayer that uh, I wanted to touch on, and I see that I hadn't actually printed that out, and I was thinking I might grab them. You, um, how about you guys? How are you guys doing out there? Are you are you able to track with us on this? Is it? Did we lose anybody in the turn? So, um, did you have anything else that you were you were hoping to share
1: no. no i mean earlier i had brought up an example Mm-hmm. and and just it's about choices in our walks right yeah and i was just sharing like years ago i was in a grocery store and i um and it was summertime, and I had a flat of strawberry. Well, actually, I had two flats of strawberries, but the limit was one flat of strawberry per customer per yeah. day. Yeah. And so, but I didn't actually know that until I got near the front. and I, went, oh, I am not going through these lineups again. So I had a choice. Yeah. To just put one aside, or to fib, and say.
0: To fib. <laughs> What's say? a fib, honey?
1: It's not a truth. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) To mislead somebody? And just to say, hey, this is for my sister. So I got up, and I could hear. It's almost like Jesus. It reminds me of this, of Jesus in the wilderness. You know, just go ahead and tell them that it's for someone else. You're going to get it anyhow. You just go through the lineup twice. What's the big deal? So I listened to that little voice, and I said, one was for me, one is for my sister. I understand if you won't give me both, but... And she goes, oh, no, why will, since it's for that? But my <laughs> oh, goodness, when I got out to the car, was I convicted because I gave in to that other voice. I didn't, excuse me, go running back in the store and repent. <clears throat> but at that moment, I repented and said, God, I won't do that again. And and But to this day, it shifted something inside me that's sure. just like, I can't go there again. That was just... Yeah. That was not right. So there always will be temptations of, and and God gives us discernment. A lot of times we do know what is right and what is not right. Absolutely. And you have a choice, even though it may not benefit you, it may not, um, you can justify anything. Well, most things away.
0: Really? Anything?
1: Just about anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but really, the call, the high call of God, is to do what is right.
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: So, learned a lesson a long time ago. Since then, I have not had two flats of strawberries in my grocery cart.
0: Yeah, there you go. So I had I had two things, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to one. And uh, this one is actually a word picture. It may apply to you. Um, uh, it may apply to somebody you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had numbers of words, things that I was just actually writing down through the week. And I found a, co- a couple of things actually conjointly coming together. And, uh, you know, one was a just, first was a word early on in the week that, that, uh, that was an encouragement for God that said, I can, I can fix brokenness. It was this A
1: person can or God God can.
0: was saying this. Okay. Yes. I felt like the Lord was saying I can fix brokenness and yeah. um and it was a couple of days ago actually in in preparing and then in praying. Um, I I wrote down something that I saw in this you know what I saw in my mind's eye. And I you know, I don't know whether I hadn't even been drawing on that other word, but it was a picture of a handheld mirror, right? So um I don't know how quite to explain this, but it it was a it was a a a well like a well-made hand uh personal mirror that you would hold with your hand. It was it was quite ornate, like it was formed, you know, it was formed, the whole thing, the outside framing and uh, that held the, the mirror itself and the handle. It was all formed and forged together. It was beautifully made. But the mirror itself was actually almost violently smashed. But all of the pieces were still held together by the frame of of this mirror, right? The frame was holding the, still the mirror in place. And and the question came to my mind is... is how would you see yourself if you're always viewing yourself through that broken mirror? Like if that's been the only way that you've ever been able to see yourself. And so as I've thought about that, and I I don't know if, if God puts anything on your heart about that, but as I've thought about that, my mind is actually caught up thinking that this is representative one or a, any number of us or individuals, but I was thinking of something that that was generational, what was passed along because it was old, it was ornate, right? That would you know would have been passed on from grandmother to mother to daughter. like there's a sense of of generational uh, a generational. Uh, way of seeing yourself that has been passed on. The word
1: that comes to me is fractured.
0: Yeah, fractured.
1: You would see yourself. You would see all yourself, but in that, it's fractured. You don't see yourself as a whole.
0: Yeah. And as I prayed about that, um, I felt like the Lord was saying that you don't need to throw the whole thing away, but Jesus actually wants to fix the mirror itself, that thing that's been fractured, because there's... There is something good there that Jesus wants to preserve, but He wants to renew the image of how we see ourselves, and so uh, I present that to you as a as a possibility of a word that God maybe is wanting to encourage uh, you to. Uh, we talked earlier in this message about, you know, coming face-to-face with our own brokenness, but actually really coming face-to-face with Jesus. You
1: get it? Mirror face-to-face brokenness?
0: Oh, there you go. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, no, actually, it can be just like that. But God, He really wants to speak into us. Who we are. We see ourselves. The more intimately we look into Jesus' eyes, the more we will see our reflection yeah. in His eyes. And and I, I believe that for maybe one or others of you, that that God in fact doesn't want to do that kind of uh, just uh, upgrade renewal in your life. Uh, that actually doesn't have you looking uh, maybe. So negatively towards the generations that preceded you, but to actually see how God's been at work through it all and, uh, and really renew some things there. Yeah. If that's you, uh, reach out to Deb and I, right? Yeah. Reach out to some folks that you trust, get some prayer around that because I, I think that you know I think that God wants to do something in this season for you in this time of
1: yeah.
0: you know solitude that we find ourselves. So I hope that comes by way of encouragement
1: yeah it's healing
0: well it's healing God is yeah. God is our healer yeah. um so I don't know guys, have you got any questions that you want to push at us we're we're um, there we go, Michael uh, so we're gonna we'll probably cruise the internet we'll we'll check our uh check our messages there are in, and if there's specific questions you've got for us, we'll answer them, but I think we can yeah that's. That's kind of what I felt like we needed to share today. I hope that, you know, that that comes by way of encouragement to you. That God's not going to waste this season that we're in right now that we're going through. Um, allow God to do the deep, deep work that he wants to do to transform us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 just It's just a continual surrender and trust in him, in his goodness. Right? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Why don't you pray for us? Sure. Holy.
1: God, we just thank you for you We thank you for who you are in our lives And we thank you that you're taking us deeper yeah. God, I pray for uh, patience As we, we can just sit at your feet And just work through the things you want us to work through I pray for a depth that we didn't even know was attainable sure. In our lives with you And I just pray your peace over every one of you guys pray his presence and his peace just to be with you Mm. amen
0: yeah when you just pray with you well jesus will you just shower us with such grace so that we can experience that voice that says Mm -hmm. you are my son that i love you are my daughter that i love you bring me such joy may you just experience the voice of god just proclaiming that over you all right, guys, it's been great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again here next week.
1: Yes, we will. Same
0: place, same time. I don't think anything too dramatic is shifting that way. Uh, two weeks from now, Bonnie's going to be giving us a message. on yeah, Valentine's uh, On Day. Valentine's Day. she She's really, she scooped that date up. She's uh, She loves Valentine's Day. Is it
1: actually Day? Valentine's Day?
0: I don't it's know. close. I it's it around think Sure it is. I think, it's, I think it's literally on that day. Anyways, <laughs> we love you guys. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed.